Hi, this is Jim from Source. Before we start the program, I want to make sure everyone understands that we often talk about OSHA and EPA citations, along with some other regulatory actions from other agencies, legal cases, and criminal activity. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Fines are exactly that, and they are often litigated, reduced, or vacated. We use available public records, news accounts, and press releases. We cannot warranty or guarantee the details of any of the stories we share, since we are not directly involved with these stories, at least not most of the time. Enjoy the show. This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Good evening, everybody. Good morning, wherever you are. How's everybody doing yet? Oh, I hope everybody commemorated the work of the board yesterday. We're going to go over some stuff there and some of my thoughts. Uh, we could not be on the air last night. Case you're wondering, we are safe reports. So over the last two weeks or so, we've been doing this uh, live broadcast on video and sometimes audio every weekday night. What are we doing? What are we talking about? What are we doing? It's real simple. We talk about the same news. Who's the spirit droid? The spirit droid. The spirit droid is the same profession. Someone asked me yesterday, well, who's the safety profession? Up and coming. Some veterans. And it's intended to be okay. And it's intended to be if you're a safety professional, how do you manage people? How do you, what do you do? Do you, uh, and this is becoming a pain in the neck here. Now, how, what do you do with this stuff? How do you manage people? How do you fight that safety war? And everything else that goes along with it. And this is not cooperating with me now. All right. Like I said, new thing. All right. And, all right, here we go. Sorry about that. I'm learning. New software. This is meant for you, the safety professional. What you're doing and everything else. Again, this is live radio here. How do you manage people? Why do you manage people? How do you manage the safety stuff with integrity? So on Thursday night's show, 
we had discussed Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals, a.k.a. pushback, and safety professionals get all the time with what we're doing. Why are, no, we get pushback, push, push, push. No, we're not going to do this. No, we're not going to do that. Yes, we are. No, we're not. We're going to sabotage you. We're going to do this. This happens often. If you're in a fully self-actualized company, organization, what have you, well, then it doesn't really apply to you, does it? I get a lot of folks in the metro New York area. They could work in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, New York City, what have you, that have the department buildings uh, credentials. Yeah, and what's the Department of Buildings? Basically, it's what the former mayor, de Blasio, made sure after all these uh, construction accidents, they had to make sure that, hey, we have to do something. This is often what the politician tries to, well, we got to do something. And they come out with knee-jerk reactions. They created a whole bunch of safety uh, uh, training requirements for people working on buildings in New York. Okay, great have safety training requirements. But there was, because we don't have a lot of folks in the safety industry talking honestly on what goes on in it, like here on the Safety FM network, we have every, I can tell you what, I could relate to everything in the safety industry just by looking, listening to our network, Safety FM. And here on Safety Wars, one of my things is to have honest conversations. What's going on out there? One of the biggest things that we find out is that the trainers that do the outreach training, which is required in New York City to do work and a lot of other places, seem to gloss over this whole introduction to OSHA situation. Yesterday, we commemorated Workers' Memorial Day. This is April 28th uh, every year. And the reason why they pick that is that it's the anniversary of OSHA. And we commemorate the people and remember and memorialize the people that have died in the workplace from the year before. Somewhere, or every year, it's somewhere around 5,000, give or take. And we, the, the sad thing is that we know that those numbers are low, are not, are underreported. I'm not gleeful when I say this low. Well, I'm meaning underreported. We know that there are something like 2.8 million, that's an often quoted statistic, in workplace injuries every year. We know that that's low. Just go on to the OSHA website press releases, and you'll see companies who are guilty of, uh, presumably, again, everyone's innocent till proven guilty. And I forgot to hit record on my board here. And... We know that this is underreported. There are many different ways you could, quote unquote, game the system and cheat the system. Unfortunately, most of those ways are felonies because it entails insurance fraud. We know this. We know if you get caught you're a safety, and you're a safety professional doing stuff like that, pretty much your career is over. Someone said, oh, you should have a uh, safety wars mug. Well, we'll get what we'll use whatever mugs available. And this is uh, essentially what it comes down to. 
So what we're going to do today, because so many people do not understand what OSHA is, what OSHA does, or anything else, we're, no, we're going to go over our introduction to OSHA, uh, modified from the OSHA outreach uh, training class. If you're a safety professional, please feel free to use this video. Because to my knowledge, there's not too many other videos out there that deal with this. So what's our introduction to OSHA uh, stuff? One, it's important. Why is it important? One, do you have a job? Yes. Do you work for someone? Raise your hand. Well, then guess what? You're covered under OSHA. If you're a private company, if you are working for a public entity, city, state, even the federal government, well, you have different programs, you have different approaches and everything else. Federal program, a little bit different covering this. State programs, there's something like 37 different state programs to varying degrees, all of that stuff. Then you're included in that. But what happens is the state programs, for example, like New Jersey, only cover New Jersey public employees. New York plans like New York PESH cover just New York public employees not private employees. Cal OSHA, California OSHA, has its own program. Right? And the, so essentially, the, as long as they meet federal requirements, then they're able to manage their own program. And what's important is you had to find out what is the program? What program am I covered by? If you're self-employed, you're not included in OSHA. So what happens is, especially now with the way the economy is, a lot of folks say, well, we're all independent contractors. I hire only independent contractors because independent contractors, it's like your own company, then they don't have to comply with any OSHA stuff. But as we know, the IRS, if you employ only independent contractors and they're not under a corporate veil of some sort, IRS may question that. I'm not an attorney. I'm not saying uh, I'm not an attorney. I don't play one on TV or the internet or anything else. I'm just telling you the way it is with this and the way I see things. So we're going to go, let's see if this is going to work. We're going to go over to our overheads here. And here we have introduction to OSHA. As far as I know, OSHA does not really uh, distribute these overheads anymore. This is an older one. It's open source uh, here. Uh, this is what they've done. Again, I'm not making any claims that this is OSHA approved or anything like that. By the way, OSHA does not approve anything other than outreach training centers. And they may approve. There's a program for that in a sense. But they, whenever you see OSHA approved or OSHA certified, doesn't exist or anything else. Someone is uh, giving you a load of guvno there, as we say on safety wars. So the lesson over you, the purpose is to provide, well, this is what we're going to talk about. We're going to be providing workers with introductory information about OSHA. Why is OSHA important to you? What rights do you have under OSHA? What responsibilities does your employer have under OSHA? And this is only part of it because we're going to have another video on exactly what you do during an OSHA uh, inspection, 
right? What are OSHA standards? How are OSHA inspections conducted? And where can you go for help? So why is OSHA and I important to you? Again, in 2021, 51, and this is the latest state that we've had uh, data for as of yesterday, April 28th, 5,190 workers were killed on the job in 2021. And so roughly the draft numbers are roughly the same for 2022, but often what happens is uh, they don't get, they things have to get uploaded into the OSHA database in 2023, which was, I believe, March of uh, March, which was last month. And they compile things. So the statistics lag behind a little bit. Probably the Bureau of Labor Statistics will give the official numbers later this year. That work comes out to a worker is dead every 101 minutes. Some other things. African-Americans are, that's our 653. Suicides, 236. Transportation, 1,982. And workplace violence, 761 deaths. Now, here's my question. We have slightly more deaths for fall protection. And we are going into fall protection this week why aren't we talking about workplace violence stats why is that they're not a week set aside plays violence here's some other statistics women are uh, uh 8.6 percent of workplace fatalities are represented 14.5 percent of intentional injuries by a person meaning that workplace violence goes in there exposure to harmful substances Close to 800 deaths, unintentional overdose from non-medical use of drugs or alcohol, 464 deaths. Does that have to go on your OSHA 300 log? Maybe, depending on what uh, we're doing here, depending on the situation. Does that have to go and be reported to OSHA? I would say, yeah, with this. Why? Every time, right now here we have work-related fatalities due to false lifts and trips. And workers 45 to 54 right, year old suffered 1,087 workplace fatalities. Now, the question is this. I get all the time. Do we have to report things to OSHA? The answer is yes. And we're going to talk about that on accident management, which is not part of this. So, for example, if you're involved in a fatality, right, if there's a fatality, your company has to call OSHA within eight hours. If there is a hospitalization within 24 hours, if it's, and then it goes on and on and on with uh, other things. We'll talk about that later on. So OSHA stands for the Occupational Health Administration. OSHA's responsibility is improve worker safety and health protection. On December 29, right? Okay, President Nixon signed the OSH Act and this had been debated for at least five years prior to the signing under the previous administration, the Johnson administration, with varying things. And this had to be heavily negotiated with Congress and the president and everything else. Everybody was from, uh, no, we had a split uh, federal government with uh, the House and Senate being Democrat, President Nixon being Republican. So we had, there was a lot of negotiation here and the way that this ended up was the uh, uh we had niosh for research uh 
the government National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health, part of CDC. They uh, look at workplace injuries and do research on those. Then you also had the general duty clause was a result of those negotiations where you're, and we're talking about that, where you have uh, a responsibility to your employees for uh, uh, keeping a health safe and healthful workplace free of recognized hazards. Some things that OSHA does do to carry out its mission of assuring safe and healthful working conditions and enforcing standards and everything else is they develop health standards, enforce them through work site inspections and provide training programs and increased knowledge about occupational safety and health. Now, the di difference here is between a Republican and Democratic administration is this. The Republican administration is more focused on compliance assistance. Democratic administration, not all the time. This is a generalization. Enforcement. Two totally different uh, philosophies here. So uh, under the last administration, uh, there was not even really a full-time administrator. It was all acting administrators. So who is exempt from OSHA? Self-employed. Local and state governments, unless the state or local government adopts OSHA regulations, uh, covered or they're covered by other laws, mining, nuclear weapons, railroad, and airlines, which are right, mining is MSHA, and then airlines is FAA, and federal agencies and the USPS. Well, let's be honest here. Federal agencies don't cite each other. They just say, hey, if this would have been a private industry, we would have been cited, blah, 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 blah. So what rights do you have? The worker. And again, this should probably be part of your high school diploma, my opinion, because everyone's entering into the workplace. Wouldn't it make sense that the worker know what their rights are? So you have a right to a safe and healthful workplace, know about hazardous chemicals, to report the injury to the employer. This is what happens with a lot of companies. Hey, we pay for your health insurance. Go to the hospital. Then you go to the hospital. Did it happen at work? No. Uh, no, you're, you're, they expect you to say no and lie. Now you're covered under health insurance. They don't have to report this to what is called the workers, comp, the workers' compensation system, or whatever your state calls it, uh, if, however, you're found out it's insurance fraud. So it's really important right? if you get hurt at work to report the injury to your employer within 24 hours. Why is that? The further that you get away from reported immediately, but once you start to get beyond 24 hours, the chances of you uh, getting covered by workers' compensation go down. My experience. And then it falls on you. Who's going to pay the bill? It happened at work. Guess what? You tell your health insurance company it happened at home. Now you're lying to them. If you're reporting it to the employer, now that goes under the workers' comp. They get higher insurance rates, and that's a very important uh, outlook for the company. And it, it's a mess. So I'm going to tell you, report your injuries immediately. Don't wait or anything else. Complain or request a hazard correction from the employer. You're, so what OSHA wants you to do is to go through your employer first, then go into 
Well, we're going to call dial that 1-800-321-OSHA or go on their OSHA website, OSHA.gov, because that's going to be their question when they're talking to you. Oh, there is a hazard in the workplace, blah, blah, blah. Did you uh, uh, talk to your employer? Yes or no? That's going to be in there. You have the right to training. So anything that you do at work, you have to be trained on. So, for example, let's say that you are required to use a ladder at work. You have to be trained on how to use that ladder. Why? You'd be shocked how many people do not know how to use a ladder properly or know how to inspect the ladder or what the requirements are of a competent person with that ladder. It's very difficult. You have a right to hazard exposure and medical records with all this stuff going on there. Uh, you So you have a right for air monitoring, what your uh, exposure records are for any chemicals, noise, anything like that. If they require a company physical, you have a right to those results and everything else. You have a right to file a complaint with OSHA, participate in OSHA inspection. That means that when someone from OSHA comes to the job site, now you have a right to participate with them. Point of caution, if you are in management, you have a different expectation when talking with OSHA. So, for example, if you're a foreman, even if it's a union foreman, you're considered by OSHA a part of management. This is why if you're a company, be very careful who you appoint as supervisor and foreman. You have the right to be free of retaliation for existing, I'm sorry, exercising safety and health rights. So what does that mean? Whistleblower complaints. OSHA is the designated whistleblower investigation agency for pretty much all of the federal federal government. Uh, something like 21 different acts, including Sarbanes-Oxley and things that have nothing to do with worker health and safety. So you get whistleblower protections from your OSHA uh, uh, agency. So in 1970, uh, you have the Occupational Safety and Health Act. OSHA was created to provide workers the right to a safe and healthful workplace. It is a right. Voted on by Congress, you have a right to a safe and healthful workplace, meaning it's intrinsic, meaning it is part of uh, our Constitution, more or less, even though it's not enumerated in there. This is one of the rights that Congress has afforded you. It's the duty of the employers to provide workplaces that are free of known dangers that can harm their employees, general duty clause. And this law also gives workers important rights to participate in activities to ensure their protection from job hazards. So the general duty clause under OSHA, real simple. You have a right to a safe and healthful workplace free of recognized hazards. For OSHA to then cite your company under that, which is not a good thing, they have to prove four things. One, there must be a hazard. Two, the hazard must be recognized. What does that mean? That means that it should be obvious through common sense. Kind of hard. Common sense is not obvious, number one. Number two, it's by some type of a national standard. 
we have a lot of national standard organizations out there. American National Standards Institute, National Fire Protection Association, and the list goes on, American Welding Society, a whole bunch of national standards out there. And that may name something. The hazard could cause or is likely to cause serious harm or death. So it cannot be something along the lines of a missing sign or something like that in all likelihood, even though that can, no, in some circumstances, fall under this. Not usually, but it has to be something that could cause serious harm or death, and the hazard must be correctable. Realize that not all hazards are correctable. And they take these four things under the general duty clause to cite you under that. And we'll talk about this in a couple of minutes. The other thing is this. You know, they could cite you or fine you with proposed penalties if you're interested in hearing all about them. Tune us, tune in to us on Safety FM most evenings or uh, safetywords.com for a link to one of our many broadcasts around all of the podcast platforms, pretty much. The popular ones. So they could go out there and cite you on a specific OSHA standard if they have one. We'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. Know about hazardous chemicals. Back in the day, you would go into a workplace and they said, well, here, use this. And well, what, what is it? Well, don't worry about it. It ain't going to hurt you. Or open up the window. Don't worry about it. You know, things of that nature. So what's required? We used to have what are called material safety data sheets. They've been updated safety data sheets. So for every chemical in the workplace, you have to have a safety data sheet. There has to be a uh, inventory done every year. And you have to be trained on what those hazards are at the beginning of your employment. employment. So when is it required? When you get hired or if things change or there's a new product in there. There has to be safety data. There has to be this is called what they call HAZCOM training, hazardous communications training. And they have to have a current book. So if their new chemical comes in, you now have a, a book available and you're able to look it up. Can you look it up electronically? The answer is yes, but you better have a written copy because that computer might go down. Way it is. You have a right to information about illnesses and injuries. So OSHA's record-keeping rule requires employers with more than 10 workers to keep a log of injuries and illnesses. Now, there are exemptions in that. What you're doing, and according to your NAICS code, and if you're in HR, you know what the NAICS code is. So every uh, employer gets a code, N-A-I-S, N-A-I-C-S code, to that goes and lists what your company is. And every year their log from the previous year gets posted in a, it's called the OSHA 300 log and you're able to put that up and it goes from February 1st to April 1st and that gets listed in there gone are the days and they've been gone for an awful long time where hey uh, so and so got hurt or killed and we don't know anything about it you know about it now you're also required under the uh, under this uh, record keeping to do an actual accident investigation. So OSHA comes in in July. Then this is meant to be a, a running log. You cannot say, well, 
we uh, uh, didn't uh, log it in yet because it's not January. It happened. This injury happened in February. Big no-no. Has to be a running log. The other thing is when people open up a file folder and there's a whole bunch of sticky notes on the inside. Really not a good idea. So this has to be a current log. Now, oh, an, if an OSHA person shows up, it's going to be, they, they usually go about three to five years to see what the trends are in the company. And the other thing is, is all a lot of companies have to keep things on file with OSHA if you're going to uh, uh, fall under the requirement. And that's a much more detailed thing. This is an intro level course uh, presentation. Workers also have the right to the annual thing. And you have the right to, re, uh, to view it in here. Now, when does that have to be all updated? Within the week of the accident. Within a week of the accident. This is where a lot of companies get uh, hung up. I'm, and these are big companies where, oh, uh, we have to have the accident investigation done by the end of the day. Guess what? You can have a preliminary one done. You can have enough of that done to put into the law up to a week, but often these accident investigations may take awfully long time to get to, especially if it's a catastrophic loss, like a fatality or something else. Workers may bring up safety and health concerns in the workplace to their employers without fear of discharge or discrimination. OSHA rules protect workers who raise concerns to their employer or OSHA about unsafe or unhealthy conditions in the workplace. For training, Chances are, if you're watching this, it might be part of a training class. Workers have to get training from employers on a variety of health and safety hazards and standards that employers must follow. What are some of them? Chemical hazards, equipment hazards, noise, confined spaces, falls, PPE. It's something like an outrageous amount of training. There's a whole uh, uh, document out there, something like 127 areas. And training must be a language or vocabulary workers can understand. So this happens sometimes. It doesn't happen too often anymore. But back in the beginning of my career, you go to a place, yeah, Jim, you're going to be doing training here, blah, blah, blah. And you go there, everybody speaks a different language. Or you go into a class and you find out you're set up for college-educated class or PhD-level people, high-functioning highly educated people and you go in there and you're dealing with people who did not even graduate high school or eighth grade. That's happened. I'm not uh, insulting those people. That's not, not meant as an insult, but everybody deserves training. And if you're going to give training at a high level and uh, irrelevant to what the people who are in the class are, you're not doing your job as a safety professional. You have to make an appropriate training with things. Uh, Again, we train all different types of folks here. We'll go out there. We'll do training for whoever. 845-269-5772. You can follow our ticker at the bottom. So you have, an, uh, have a right to ex uh, your exposure and medical records. So metal, so for example, they come out there, they do an industrial hygiene audit, and they sample from metals, dust, lead, cadmium, silica, crystal, that should be rustable crystals, crystalline silica, biological agents, physical stress, anything like that. This is where a lot of companies fail to do what they're supposed to. I worked for a major warehouse in central New Jersey, and 
I when I got out of the warehouse, working my way through college, I actually went to them and said, look, we can do a complete industrial hygiene audit. I'm doing safety now. They'll have an expert on your operations, me, because I was worked there for three summers and everything else. Oh, we don't want anything. A couple of years later, they were sued. And guess what they were sued for? Pretty much everything listed on here. And uh, uh, they lost. They had to settle out of court, and it was for a lot of money. Only reason why I know that is my brother uh, worked, uh, basically worked there. I don't want to say retired, but pretty darn close to retiring from the place. Workers may file a confidential complaint with OSHA if they believe a violation of a safety or health standard or an imminent dangerous uh, imminent danger uh, exists in the workplace. So what that's 1-800-321-OSHA or through their website. I recommend a phone call. Workers may request that their name not be revealed to the employer. And if a worker files a complaint, they have the right to find out OSHA's action on the complaint and request a review if an inspection is not made. So you have a right to hold their feet to the fire. How would you do this? You could do it through the OSHA system. You may also want to get your congressperson or senator involved uh, with this also. I've heard of people doing that. Uh, but what do you want? The fastest way to, is to notify your supervisor or employer. That's going to be one of the questions that OSHA will ask. You have the right to participate in an OSHA inspection. There are no backroom deals here. So if you're an employee representative, can accompany an OSHA inspector. So, for example, if this is a union shop, normally, not all the time, not necessary, but normally it is the shop steward. Can it be someone else other than the shop steward? The answer is absolutely. Uh, if you're a non-union shop, you can elect someone to be your representative there on the spot. You can work, talk to the inspector privately. Uh, workers may point out hazards, describe injuries, illnesses, or near misses that resulted from those hazards, and describe any concern you have about a safety and health issue. Workers can find out about inspection results, abatement measures, and may object uh, to dates set for a violation to be corrected. Now, when you get a citation, you can go on the OSHA website and do an establishment search and everything else. That guy has to get posted somewhere near that place so the workers could examine it. Right? You have a right to be free from retaliation. And, oh, by the way, if you are an employer, you better go over the citation and do uh, damage because you're going to destroy the uh, workers' trust in you to do the right thing, if they haven't already lost it, that is. So you have the right to be free of from retaliation for exercising safety and health rights. So you're, uh, you get terminated or anything else within 30 days of this stuff, you call 1-800-321-OSHA, and they will have to log it in when you call. You make sure you, co you contact OSHA if you've been punished uh, uh, for exercising their safety and health rights, you have 30 days to contact. You find you it happens, you report it immediately. You don't wait that 30 days because then there's a question, well, was it 29 days or 31 days? How are we going to count on that? Topic three, what responsibility does your employer have under OSHA? Keeping the workplace safe? Training, keeping records, providing medical exams when they're required to. This is what uh, a lot of the uh, employers that I work with don't like to hear of. 
the company physical upon onboarding. Should have it. If you're an employer, you should look into it. Why? Because later on, you're, they may come to your, your an employee may come to you already sick, and then you're going to get stuck with that illness. We're talking typically noise, chemical hazards, uh, things of that nature. And those are the two big ones. You have the right not, you have, uh, the employer cannot discriminate, discriminate against workers, and you have to post social citations and hazard correction notices and provide and pay for most PPE. So what are we talking about, PPE? Your employer basically has to supply any PPE that you could, uh, that ha is used on the job, except for prescription eyewear and boots. Unless your employer, uh, unless your employer tells you you're not allowed to take the boots home, you're not allowed to take the safety glasses home. For example, in the event of chemical contamination, radiation issues, things of that nature. Now, uh, I get from employers all the time. I'm not buying prescription safety glasses for anybody, and I'm not wearing, buying steel toe boots for anybody. Here's my question to the employer usually. You do realize that you're responsible for eye injuries and foot injuries. And it's going to cost you more than the money it's going to, you're going to pay out for those prescription safety glasses. And that could go either one of two ways. Either they tell you, take a walk, or they tell you, well, you know what, thanks for letting us know, or something like that. And this is where, and I'm not an attorney, so I'm not exactly sure how this works with your collective bargaining agreements and everything else that goes into it. Topic four. Oh, let's go back. You now employers have to report each worker death, each work related hospitalization, amputation, or loss of an eye, maintain injury and illness records, inform workers how to protect an injury, report an injury or illness, make records available to workers, allow OSHA access to records, and post annual summary of injuries and illnesses. I'm going to add one more thing. If you're the employer, you're responsible for medical treatment. If you cannot get an ambulance or emergency responder there within three to four minutes, which means you need first aid CPR, possibly AED uh, 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 supplies and training on site, depending on your situation. But at a minimum, first aid and CPR. By the way, we do that. We give the training. What are OSHA standards? OSHA standards are rules that describe the methods employers must use to protect employees from hazards are designed to protect workers from wide range of hazards. Here is uh, basically where it comes down to. Uh, for general industry, that's most workers, most employees, 29 CFR 1910. Uh, construction is 29 CFR 1926. And maritime, you have three basic areas. You have 29 CFR 1915, 1917, 1918. Agriculture, I didn't put in for some reason, but that's 1928 standards uh, on that. So what are these? These standards limit the amount of hazardous chemicals, substances, or noise that workers can be exposed to, require the use of certain safety, safe, work, health, safe work practices and equipment, require employers to monitor certain job hazards and keep records of workplace injuries and illnesses. We mentioned this. These are our most frequently cited OSHA standards. Fall protection, and this is updated every October, usually at uh, national, uh, at a uh, 
National Safety Council event. All right. Uh, fall protection in construction. We're coming up this week on fall protection week in construction. Respiratory protection with this. Ladders, hazcom, scaffolding, fall protection training. Specifically, uh, uh, employers do not do the training. Right. Number one is they don't do what they're supposed to in providing fall protection or anything else. The other one is they don't even provide training. And that's a problem. I have a story with that with a major employer in northern New Jersey that went out and spent $45,000 on fall protection equipment. And this flyer did not give them fall protection training and they were using it improperly. The only training that they got was from me in a general industry outreach course where we touched on it uh, because, you know, you have to include it, but we touched on it. It's not a full blown four hour class or eight hour user, a competent person or not a full blown class here. Uh, with us, with uh, fall protection. So what happened? They bought the wrong equipment, never sent their people to training, and they blame me at, uh, ex post facto, right? Six months after they bought the equipment, and uh, I met them six months later. So I don't know. You go figure. Control of hazardous energy, and that's 1910-147, iron face protection. That means that people are not using safety glasses or face shields. That's a relatively new citation to be, uh, it's only been the last three or four years, even though that standard has existed from time immemorial, now they are calling out companies with that. Powered industrial trucks, those that's a fancy name for forklift, bobcat, uh, things of that nature. But generally speaking, forklift training, which we give here also. Machinery and machine guarding, is the other one. That's uh, the big one in general industry. You could have a multi-employer work site where you have four different pieces of um, employers. So what happens is a lot of general uh, contractors, also known as an OSHA, the controlling contractor, feel that they have no responsibility out there with anything. But what OSHA says is, depending on what your role is on the job, you could be cited, and they do uh, use this, under the multi-employer worksite policy. So, for example, you can have the controlling employer, the creating employer, controlling employer, GC, overall health and safety. Creating employer, the employer that is created the hazard. Exposing employer, that is the employer whose employees is expected, is, uh, exposed to the hazard, and then you have the correcting employer, the employer responsible for correcting the issue. So if OSHA comes on site, you have multiple things out there uh, going on, depending on what your role is on the job, and this is all set by contract, usually you can be held liable for that way it is under OSHA type things. How the legal liabilities and tort cases are, I can't say, but under OSHA citation policy and that framework, you could be held responsible. And this is all in the OSHA technical manual. How are OSHA inspections conducted? So they come out, it's real simple. Hello, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. I'm from the Department of Labor. This is the reason why I'm here. Is this a... Uh, uh, is this a targeted inspection? 
Is this in response to a fatality? Is this a, a program inspection? Did someone drop dime on you? Or is this an imminent danger hazard? If you have an imminent danger hazard and it gets reported to them, then the employee says, hello, we have an imminent danger to life and health. Usually OSHA will be there within three to four hours. In my experience, sometimes it's quicker. Uh, now, if it's made first thing in the morning, maybe two hours. They put the priority on an imminent danger type situation. Second one is fatality. Don't think that OSHA doesn't know about the fatality because if there's a fatality or major catastrophe at work, then what happens is uh, it gets reported into the 911 system or 911 system. They get an ambulance out there. And in most metro areas, when you get out to rural America, it could go either way. Even though they're supposed to report it to OSHA, it may not get to OSHA until it gets hits the workers' comp system. Then it gets to OSHA three or four months later. But OSHA normally gets all the information from uh, your 911 system within a couple of days. With a fatality, it may be that day they get uh, the uh, notification. Also, OSHA sometimes monitors the police radio bands or the emergency radio bands, what we used to call police scanners. So what does it come down to? you got to report this stuff. There's stories on our news and views, which we do most nights of the week, where employers don't do that. And guess what happens? They are not treated very nice <laughs> with that. Uh, because right off the bat, your agency sees that as some type of deception when you don't report things. And agencies don't like that, uh, understandably. OSHA conducts inspections without advance notice, except in very rare cases. And in fact, let's say that you get fair warning of an OSHA inspection is coming. That's actually a felony. That's a federal crime on that. So the way it is, different types. You have imminent danger of fatality or hospitalization, worker complaints or, or referrals. This is generally speaking, this is the priority. Targeted inspections because you have local uh, emphasis program national emphasis program, or particular hazards or industries. That's your roofing industry, your shipyard industry, 1915-type stuff, all of that stuff. Follow-up inspections. Now, if a follow-up inspection, that's a little bit of concern. If OSHA, if you are cited by OSHA and you say, yes, we will do what we're supposed to do on this, whatever there were corrections, they could come back even years later and have a follow-up inspection. And it may not even be at that same office that you could get hit with a repeat violation, which is very expensive. We'll go into those. There is one employer in the United States that is a retail employer uh, that, uh, specializes in real cheap things. Most towns have that. And they have gotten since, uh, as of today, April 29, 2023, like $17 million in proposed citations from OSHA because they'll cite the employer in one state and then they'll go to another state, the same type of violation happens. 
things add up. So you have, here's the 2023 citation schedule. So every, and it's usually January 15th to 20th, usually January 17th, somewhere in and around there, that every year that the uh, citation schedule gets increased due to the cost of living. Now, this started in something like 2015 under the Obama administration. So from its inception to 2015, OSHA only cited people like $7,000 for the maximum uh, uh, willful, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, maximum serious or other than serious or repeat. And then they doubled it. And I forget the whole thing, not important. And what they did was, it was very controversial at the time. They put it under all of the act with all of the other federal agencies where it gets increased every year. So now you have a willful violation. That means that the employer actually and knowingly committed a violation. That the employer complete commits with plain indifference to law. So that's up to $156,000 for each willful violation, 259. You can look it up. Minimum penalty of 5,000. Serious, that means that someone's probably going to die with that. There's a mandatory penalty for serious violations up to $15,625. I think, uh, I'm sorry. Do, do, do. That's wrong. Do, do. It's $156,259 for a serious violation. I'm going to correct that PowerPoint. Uh, other than serious, it's 15625 for a maximum penalty of that repeated violation, $156,259 up to de minimis, zero. So they don't have a monetary penalty. And then in, uh, failure to abate, uh, $15,625 per day up to 30 days. All this stuff comes up to a lot of stuff, and you're probably going to get litigated. Now, for a minor OSHA citation, you may be able to handle it yourself or with someone like me. However, once you started to get into the willful and really serious stuff, guess what? You better get an attorney with that one. Always. An attorney will tell you anytime you get a regulatory visit and you get a citation, get them. There's an argument to be made for that uh, with that. OSHA this year, 2023, has instituted a uh, instance by instance policy. Now, this is getting a little bit deep into the woods. What do you need to know? It is you need, uh, so under the current one, you would have like uh, the old policy, you would have a violation, then you have A, B, C, D, and E, right? But what happens is under the new policy, all of those are written out by line item. And you could get uh, a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, it's going to be a repeat, uh, reportedly an increase. Now, now we're going to find out about this probably in uh, since it was March 31st, six months late, within six months later, usually five months later. So we're looking towards the end of uh, August or sometime in September. See how this plays out with this uh, here. Where can you go for help? Many places you can go for help. Versus within the works or work site, you can come to the Safety FM network. There's a lot of information out there, especially on uh, human and organizational performance uh, versus the old way of doing things, the behavior-based safety. And no, how do you uh, 
how to file the OSHA complaint, you go out there and find, you know, do that. 1-800-321-OSHA-OSHA.gov, anything like that. Uh, so that's the OSHA website. Uh, there are compliance assistance specialists. You may be able to go down to your local uh, uh, library, things of that nature. I'm going to tell you, do not uh, doubt your safety professional. That is, especially if they have letters after their name or they're very older or experienced safety professional, very good resources, even with the younger ones. They're right out of college. They may, they're going to be able to help you to a certain degree. Uh, but there's a lot of stuff. Just be careful what you see out there. I think this our experiences with the pandemic uh, have shown us where the hazards are with relying on internet resources for anything. That's all I have here. So I would take this video forward it along this uh, podcast. I already seen this forward it along to somebody. Show it to your team getting the first job because those have people have high accident rates. Know your rights. Remember, we all work somewhere. You might as well know what your rights are. And I'm going to say this. You're impacted by OSHA regulations just as much as you are from traffic regulations if you're driving to work or you're driving somewhere. We're all it's what it is. Even if you're not covered or included under the OSHA regulatory scheme, you're still going to be able to manage people, know about hazards, things of that nature, not being lied to. That's another big thing. Don't be lied to. You're not going to be manipulated. You're going to be informed and educated. And that is how we're going to win that safety war. For safety wars, this is Jim Polzel.